Hello and welcome to the podcast by Business Aviation Collective, sponsored by LZ Aviation. Today we have Jordan Scales with us. Jordan is an aircraft manager here at Clay Lacey, and he's also the vice chair of the Yoko Council. Hi, Jordan. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going today? Very good. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. So many good things about you, <laughs> and I see lots of good uh, publicity online and really cool things that you're promoting in the industry these days. Well, thank you. So I want to hear all about the Yo Pro Council, as well as an internship that you had at one of my favorite companies. Um, but first, I want to go through and I want to hear how did you even get into your aviation? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great question, and uh, anyone that knows me has heard this story before, but like a lot of us, I fell into aviation. I, growing up, I wanted to be a roller coaster engineer. Uh, yeah, everyone makes the same, I have the same reaction. And um, I just turned 30 and 30 years of living on this earth. I have not met a single <laughs> roller coaster engineer. So I'm not even fully sure if that job title exists, but uh, growing up, that's what I wanted to do. I grew up going to Six Flags all the time. My dad uh, lived really close to one growing up. And I spent all my summers there. I wasn't at the theme park itself. I was at home on my computer playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, just making up all kind of disastrous uh, roller coasters. But that... The roller... Is this Six Flags right there by the Fulton County Airport? Yes, ma'am, it is. I spent a lot of the time there, too. My kids grew up there as well at that park. So, excellent. Yes, ma'am. So, um, was obsessed with roller coasters. Um, However, when it came time for... Looking at colleges, I had to have a bit of a heart to heart with myself and, um, you know, told myself, hey, Jordan, you know, as much as you love design and you love roller coasters, you're not that good at math. So maybe you shouldn't sign up for five years of like intensive mechanical engineering. So I was in limbo for a little bit and wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Mind you, I'm 16 years old trying to plan up the whole rest of my life. <laughs> But was on a flight from Orlando to Atlanta and um, school started in like a month in your junior year of high school, um, at least in my school, was when you could start taking college trips and they were excused absences. And so mom was really on me. But all right, you know, introduction role, like, what are you going to do? And schools in a month and I had no clue, like what I, what I wanted to major in, what schools I was interested in. But I'm on this flight back home and I'm thinking to myself, like, OK, you know, roller coaster engineering, it's not going to work out you know, what is the closest thing to a roller coaster that you can think of? And as I'm sitting, you know, on this commercial flight and looking around, I'm like, well, being on a plane, you know, you get to experience G-forces, you know, there's the speed of takeoff. And then I started to think more about the career of being a pilot. And it's like, okay, well, you get to travel the world, you know, you get pretty flexible work schedule comparative to your standard nine to five. And so I was like, you know what, let's, let's become a pilot. No one in my family is in aviation from a civilian or military standpoint. So I really didn't have a whole lot of prior knowledge to base this decision off of. But like with a lot of things in my life, like once I get an idea in my head, I just kind of chase it down. And so I landed and told mom, like, hey, I want to be a pilot. And she's kind of threw her hands up like, I don't know how to help you. Um, you, you wanted to be an engineer. There's a, I know all the good engineering schools, but I don't know how to help you become a pilot. Thankfully enough, uh, we, lived, we lived in the Atlanta area. Delta was just right down the road. And so she put me in a Delta summer camp the next week. So I was able to learn about aviation careers. 
And then she put me into uh, an OBAB camp the week after that. And I took my first discovery flight actually through that, through their ACE program. And after I took my first discovery flight, I was hooked and knew I was going to be a pilot. At least at, at that moment, started looking at aviation schools and ended up landing on Auburn University uh, in Alabama. Always flew for my freshman year, but and ended up pivoting from uh, becoming a professional pilot into uh, getting a degree in aviation management. Okay. Excellent. I want to back up just a little bit. So you did an OMBAB discovery flight. Yes, what, does, what does that stand for? What? Yes, man. OBAP. It is the uh, Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals. Oh, um, okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. For those of you who want to see more about that, we can make sure to put the logo onto that. So they allow you to do a discovery flight. They kind of show you what it would be like to be a part of that. Yeah, essentially, uh, they, they brought in all uh, pilots. Majority of those were commercial pilots, but brought in a bunch of pilots and different aviation professionals for us to kind of learn kind of what a day in the life is like. And uh, after learning, you know, what uh, being a pilot was actually like, I was hooked in. And then, of course, taking my first discovery flight on a 172. And, you know, once you see the world from that perspective, it really kind of changes kind of the trajectory of life. <laughs> yeah, it's really an eye-opening that. Okay, so you did that, and then you went over to Auburn. Now, Auburn is a pretty uh, well-known school, right, for aviation? Um, yes, ma'am. It's it's uh, it's so it's actually the um, Auburn has the longest-running aviation program of any public institution, and uh, the program has grown tremendously uh, over the years. When I graduated, there were only about 125 kids in the program throughout all four years and i think this coming year they're going to have over 700 students so the program has has just exploded they have over i think over 30 i well, know for a fact they have over 30 aircraft within their training fleet all of their 172s or g1000 glass cockpits air conditioned and then they have their twin and multi-aircraft uh, as well they have um we actually have a college of aviation at the airport. So the same way, you know, universities will have a, a college of law or agriculture. There's a full physical building at the airport that's fully de- dedicated to aviation studies. And there's a simulator that's in there. There's state-of-the-art classrooms. There's a whole scheduling and dispatch center for the students. And so it's it's really impressive. And so it's it's a program that I'm very proud to have seen grow, grow over the years. And it's, it's I think, report was released about a month ago. It's now the number two program in the country behind Embry-Riddle. And I believe we both, and don't quote me on this one specifically, but I'm pretty sure, I think we may have the uh, most female pilots in our program of any aviation, uh, university a- a- aviation program as well. So that's something to be proud of as well. Yeah, it is. That's really great. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't know that much about Auburn. You know, it's it's a little hidden gem. Uh, hidden gem. You know, it's it's the program um, relatively has been small compared to some of the more well-known programs that are out there. But it has been very quickly over the over the past two years. We need more people in aviation for sure. Yes, ma'am. All right. So you flew the first year, and then you switched over to aviation management. Yes, ma'am. And I'm. Curious. So, were they able to incorporate any of like the business aviation side of it, or was it mostly commercial side? Uh, it was. It was. It was mostly commercial, and I don't think Auburn. It, so, they have uh, the Auburn has grown into highlighting business aviation more, and now they do offer courses in business aviation. At that time, it was still very commercially 
focused program, but Auburn's not alone there. I found through my involvement with different university programs that a lot of university aviation programs are geared towards the commercial track. And what I've realized is that there's there's more content out there around airport operation or commercial airport operations and just the inner workings of commercial industries. And so, you know, we work in a, in a niche industry and um, not very much is documented. And so because of that, it's a bit hard to build curriculum off of it. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg kind of kind of situation there. But while I was through the program, it was pretty much commercially driven. I kind of had to go off the beaten path to find my first internship at Cox Enterprises, which which you're, you're familiar with. And then the following summer, I would find myself in Wichita at uh, Techtron Aviation. That's great. So how did you even think to do the internships? Is that something that was connected with the school or you went out and found those on your own? Uh, more of the latter. My mom always emphasized internships. And so as I was just trying to scouring, you know, the internet, trying to find internships, came across the one at Cox Enterprises. And it actually, I was their first non-AMP intern. Um, the program historically was centered around the mechanical side of things, but they were short on applicants that summer. And so, and I had a strong application. And so they said, hey, you know, we'll try this out. We don't really know what we're doing here, but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll put you through the program, see what happens. And so I ended up spending half of my day on the hangar floor, you know, doing gear loops and hanging out with all the AMPs. And then I would spend the other half of my day upstairs shadowing dispatch and flight operations. And so I would have to keep like a, I'd, I'd come to work with two shirts. I'd have like a shirt that I was finally getting grease on. And then I'd keep a work polo in my, in my locker and I'd go run and change when I went upstairs. A great experience. I mean, I spent 10 years at Cox and I would have left right before you came in. So I missed you. <laughs> short, just by a short bit. But if I'm not mistaken, seeing King and his group initiating the internship program at Cox. That's like, correct. But it's and he, that's correct. Uh, so yeah, Steve King and, and his team pretty much led that directive. I report to uh, Steve directly. And Steve continued to be a champion of you know, professionals even after I left. If, if he knew just how many careers that he you know, helped get off the ground, no pun intended, I think he'd, he'd be very taken back. Wonderful. Yeah, I that's such a great program. I love that he was doing that and stuff. And, and what a cool opportunity to go upstairs too, because it's, in Timbering, it's a really different type of job. It is. John versus the scheduling dispatch job. It is. It is. And it's 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 stuff that you don't see in the classroom. And so, you know, seeing real time, you know, flights being dispatched and just, you know, watching them track the flights and do all of the documentation necessary for you know, international travel, like that's stuff that you just don't get in a textbook. And so seeing it firsthand really brings the entire experience uh, into reality, you know, and, and you get to see, you know, starting from you know, watching the aircraft get worked on to then being released for a uh, flight and then actually, you know, now I'm tracking this plane through the sky that we just worked on yesterday. So <laughs> it was really cool. That is great. And I know upstairs, they run a pretty great program upstairs. Dave Small's been kind of the head of that department for many, many years. And he has, I think she's pretty much been on like kind of the cutting edge of that. I mean, when we were there, we were doing flight plans. We actually were filing all of the flight plans, domestic flight plans, which is not common for a part 91 flight department. And I've always loved that. I missed that technique aside. So anyway, I always thought he did such a great job of, of running that. 
uh, he's, he's been a great leader for them. Well, cool. Okay, so after Cox, then you mentioned a Textron. Yes, Ben. That was amazing. That that was that that internship was really uh was was life changing to, to to be hundred percent honest. So it's been a similar Wichita. Funny enough, when I was applying for the internship, I applied I was applying to a company called Cessna. And then by the time I showed up in Wichita, it was called Tech Friday Aviation and I wasn't even sure if I was in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> So I came right as uh, right as the start of the Cessna Beechcraft merger was happening. And so it was interesting from an aviation political standpoint to just watch that, to watch two major um, manufacturers go under one roof. So just kind of watching and observing the optics of all that was, was very interesting. But then that was uh, that was my first time working for a, an aviation entity. So I worked for a corporation that had played the never, you know, uh, a company that was directly, you know, tied to the, to aviation. And so I getting to, you know, see the different departments and how they, how everything is uh, intertwined and seeing, seeing the, the process from square one and to delivery, you know, seeing a client show up for their first time, he's a prospective buyer and getting to walk the manufacturing floor with them. And, and you know all the way to um, and now I'm now I'm shadowing the contracts department, so I'm seeing LOIs and I'm seeing you know this idea start to become tangible, and then working with engineering it as they spec out a plane, and then finally get to see the delivery of the aircraft. So I'm really get to see this. Um, I'm, I'm getting to see an aircraft start from handshake to you know aluminum being delivered, and so that entire process was just kind of just I was a kid in the candy store the entire summer. But I was out there, I think there was about 150 interns that summer. I think they have like over 300 in the program um, that last summer. And so that's, it's a program that's grown tremendously. But my my aviation dream was really built that summer. That summer is when I found out that selling aircraft was even a job. I didn't know, I, I didn't know that way how aircraft were transacted. I was shadowing one of their uh, one of the regional sales directors and asked me, we're sitting over coffee. I'm asking what his job is. And he goes, oh, well, I sell planes. I'm like, yeah, well, I know this company sells planes, but like, what do you do specifically? He goes, no, sir, like I, I sell the plane. Yeah. And it took until that moment where I, it registered like, oh, yeah, a product has to be sold by somebody and you are that individual. Prior to that, I, I thought, you know. It was like a dealership, you know, somebody walks up and they say, hey, I want that plane in red. I'll come back in six months. And, you know, I didn't know how personal, how personal the experience was. And when I found out that, you know, selling planes was even a job, I felt a bit foolish because I'm, I'm 21 at this, at this point. I've been in, I've been in school for three years and I had to fly to Kansas, Wichita, Kansas to find out that selling planes was a job. <laughs> that's common. There's a lot of uh, jobs in the aviation industry that you just wouldn't even know existed. 100%. Um, but once I was made aware of of aircraft sales as a profession, that's all I wanted to do. And it be, it made me so much more focused and dedicated of a, uh, of a student because I wasn't going to let anything deter me from doing what I said I was going to do. And so almost six years to the day of when I found out that selling plans was a profession, I'd sold my first plane myself. And so, thank you, ma'am. And people ask me all the time where, why I'm like I'm so involved in some of my student advocacy projects or university relations and such. And it's just because of that, because I I'm I'm a product of gaining exposure in business aviation through 
unconventional means. And it should not have been it, it should not have been as difficult for me to find my dream job. But 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 it's a process and it happened. And so I try my best to flatten the learning curve for students that have come after me. And so I'm try I always try to take any moment that I can to, you know, help create some kind of exposure opportunity for for students because I know how niche and how uh, underrepresented our industry is comparative to other aviation disciplines. But I I know all it takes is that one conversation to where your your entire life can change. Yeah, that's very true. So I can see in the background a few the, the ways that you do that. But maybe talk to us about the Auburn Aviation Day that you um, help out with and that Auburn promotes. Absolutely. So uh, I'm still very close to my, to my alma mater's uh, aviation program. <clears throat> and a few years ago, a friend of mine um, who was flying for the university at the time said, hey, hey, you know, join like, you know, both of us working business at, but like there's nothing really going on on campus to promote business aviation. And so he went out and um, got enough people together and said, hey, like we're going to have a business aviation day at Auburn. And it started out very modest. We had a static display in which we worked in conjunction with the Georgia Business Aviation Association and the Alabama uh, group and just some local flight departments. And we just put on a static display and had a couple business jets on the line. The students can go kind of check out. And that single day experience has now turned into about a two and a half day conference where we bring in industry groups from all over the country. I mean, some of your your largest names in the industry from you know, operators such as um, well, Lacey and uh, Wheels Up and Jet Edge and FlexJet. I mean, all of your at last year's event, every major charter company was or and management company was represented. Then we have you know, some of the top maintenance and repair stations that are out there. So Westar is as president. Stevens Aviation, I mean, Stevens Aerospace is president. And then just, I mean, a slew of um, corporate flight departments that are out there. Uh, Procter & Gamble, they have an amazing internship program. They were there to promote that. Cox Enterprise was promoting theirs. And then, I mean, it just from local operators such as Southern Company and promoting you know, all the careers within their, uh, their organization. It was, it's just really awesome to see the industry be so receptive to students and, and, and educating them uh, on the fact, because without having that tangible experience, a lot of students just kind of get lost in the whole shuffle of being in college and having to make a, you know, make a career leap and more times than not, they tend to kind of choose the path of least resistance, which is, hey, let's go to the airlines because I know there's going to be a bunch of jobs at the airlines. And while I am never going to deter anyone from going to the airlines, my goal in life is just to provide context and perspective to other careers that are outside of the, the commercial airline uh, atmosphere industry. And so um, the Auburn Business Aviation Day is event. We're going on our fifth year now. And uh, every year just kind of improves and gets better and better. Last year's event was really special. We had we had multiple presentations and workshops on both on topics internal and external, you know, uh, things that are going on in the industry and then ways that students can better, you know, that, that ways to bridge the gap between the university setting and the industry. And then we always have an amazing static display. I mean, they have over a dozen aircraft every year. 
two years ago, we even had like a couple of helicopters that were on that were on static. I mean, it's it's uh, it's something I'm, I'm I've been really blessed to be a part of, and it's this this year's event is already planned. Oh man, I don't have that though. I do have the date in front of me, but I'll make sure that you get to save the date so you can include that. And for for any industry professional, it's an open invitation to to uh, to participate. Uh, from a student perspective, at this point, it is. Um, it is just for Auburn students, so I do apologize for uh, for uh, students at other universities. Maybe there, there will come a, a time and place when we are able to expand it. But it is a really amazing event, and it's one that has gained national attention to where other groups have started to take notice and want and, and have tried to uh, have made attempts at replicating their business aviation days. So. Uh, I know the Arizona Business Aviation Association has a Business Aviation Day of their own, um, where they um, they take students and they I think it's I think they are uh, they're out in Mesa. I believe it's at one of the Texas Aviation facilities or Able facilities that are out there, and um, they get to the students get to see you know these aircraft in person. I had the pleasure of working with the Central Florida Business Aviation Association and hosting their past two Business Aviation Day events where it's essentially it's a lot of the elements of the Auburn Business Aviation Day events, but consolidated into a single day where we have a speaker series of industry professionals. And we've had the likes of uh, we've had Ed Bolin as our as our keynote speaker and uh, for our, our inaugural show. We had uh, Chris Rochelo, MBWA COO, as one of our speakers this past year. We had um, we've had Thunderbird pilots as, you know, keynote speakers. Um, anyone who knows uh, Michelle Curran, uh, Mace, as, uh, as she likes to go by as her call name. I mean, and we just had a slew of professionals from C-suite professionals that have taken time out of their day to speak to these students. Um, so that's been phenomenal. That's, that's always phenomenal. And then we have a career expo of about, I think every year we've had at least 20 companies that are there to um, if they don't have jobs that they're actively hiring for, they're there to educate students on what career, what a career looks like in their organization. And it's a similar uh, kind of company makeup as to Auburn Day events. We have operators, we have FBO, we have uh, people on the MRO side, we have people in UAS. So we're even talking to you know, future technologies. And then there's a static display that that, uh, that occurs while all this is going on as well. And, and in this past event, we had representation from practically every OEM, um, and then we had some local companies that decided to bring some metal to the to the flight line as well. And so, you know, th- those events in particular, I believe, are so important because once again, it's not until these students get to see these products in person uh, to where you know they can I flip that switch and it's like, oh wow, I'm in a Challenger 3500. This is way cooler than you know the ERJ that I was just touring you know two weeks ago. And, you know, that's where these that, that's where I've seen these dreams really kind of take shape. I love that. And I think you answered one of my questions. What I wanted to point out is that you mentioned that every piece of the industry is there. Mm-hmm. You've got, and, and just because it's my passion, is that scheduling, dispatch, and operations. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's being represented as well. And mm-hmm. so many people fall into that type of a job but they've never seen it done before. So I know mm-hmm. that saying Auburn has classes on it and that these, I, mean, I didn't even know these three aviation days existed. So what a cool thing. I'll make sure that I get a link for all of them in the notes below. Yeah, absolutely. I'll help you out with all that. Awesome. Oh, what a great, what a great thing. This blows my mind what's out there that I just don't necessarily know about. 
someday there will be like one place that all of this is posted. Yeah, and we're getting there day by day. <laughs> Great. So, okay, so we talked about the Auburn Aviation Day. And then, so let's move on to another thing that you're doing with your time that gives back to the community. And that's, you are the vice chair of the Yofro Council. Tell me about that. What is the Yofro Council and what is your role as vice chair? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for asking. So, um, so I, I share uh, my vice chair duties with another amazing individual, but the Yopro Council as a whole, um, we are the governing body of MBAA's Yopro organization. The in Yopro, it's a bit ambiguous. It's more of a uh, professional networking entity, but the Yopro Council is uh, provides the strategic direction for Yopro. So we, we're the ones who coordinate all the social activities that you see, both the in-person and, and virtual events. So at every MBAA event, whether it's one of the regional events or whether it's schedules and dispatchers or even the big sh- um, um, show in Vegas, um, we always create some kind of opportunity for young professionals to network amongst each other. And usually there's, we, and at the big show, we also try to tie in some kind of philanthropic effort as well to give back to whatever local, uh, to some lo- uh, local organization. We also are very, we emphasize the future workforce development of, of our industry. And so uh, whether that's connecting directly with universities or regional groups and helping them, helping them strengthen their communication and messaging to young professionals and students, you know, whether that's hosting events uh, ourselves and inviting, you know, college students and stuff to, uh, to that. But we are, we're the ones that are really taking action on connecting with that future generation of aviation professionals. So we've uh, doubled in size over the past year, and we have a host of really awesome professionals in there. And uh, once again, every facet of, of aviation is highlighted in there. We've got some pilots. We've got some people who work in operations. We've got folks that in, at FBO. We have people in sales. We have people in every discipline within business aviation that are, that are represented there. And as a collective, we just try to improve the outlook of uh, business aviation from a young professional perspective. Well, so like if you're somebody listening right now, what um, and maybe you wanted to help out. Is there anything that something that we could do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we invite anyone who's interested to join our join our mailing list. Uh, we have a mailing list that keeps you apprised of all of our happenings. Since I can send that link to you, we also have a LinkedIn page that's very active. We have an Instagram as well. But would highly recommend, you know, joining or following any of those sources that I just mentioned. We also just recently started a, a new initiative called um, YoPro Go. And that is for individuals who want to... Um, who want to who want to get a bit more involved, and so YoPro Go, um, we take those individuals and we have regular workshops, uh, virtual workshops. So we've had career coaches that have come in to provide their um, their insight. We've had some motivational speakers that have come in to you know give us kind of tidbits from their perspective, and that group exists to really kind of um, ignite those individuals who really want to you know make a difference and uh, the intention there is that the individuals within YoPro Go will work amongst their local regional kind of counterparts 
and and get these local groups active and get the um, regional YoPro chapter started amongst these uh, regional business aviation groups to just once again further grow and develop the uh, the the um, young professionals in, in these different pockets of America. So, if I'm understanding correct, the YoPro group really, like you were saying, finally gets the younger people into aviation. You can connect those two groups. Yes, ma'am. So, what if you are an older aviation profession. Are you, is this something that we get help out of it all? And then I'm definitely quite a bit older than you are, but it sounds like a really cool opportunity. And I don't want to, I guess I wouldn't want to I get in, in a spot that I, I shouldn't be in, but is that something that you guys are also looking for or do you mostly keep it to young, young so, people? Um, so the council itself is beholden to professionals under the age of 40. However, at any of our social events, whether it's virtual or in person, we, we actually need welcome more senior professionals to, to, to join that because we understand that there has to be some kind of uh, transfer of experience and, and, uh, and knowledge from the people that have been in this industry for so long to us. As much as we love our new technologies, it can't teach those experiences that you guys have. And so we, yeah, at, at, we, we actually even started rebranding some of our social events so that it doesn't seem like it's explicitly for the unprofessional crowd because we want to garner a larger audience so we can have more of that diffusion of information. Great. Okay, that's cool. So, so those of you that are under 40, try and get on the council, be really active. Those of us mm-hmm. over 40, <laughs> Go ahead and um, do the social pieces of it. Yes, ma'am. And and there's and there's also the uh, MBAA mentorship program that uh, that with that as uh, as a council we champion. And so regardless of age, you can sign up for the mentorship program, and you you can sign up to be a mentor or a mentee depending on what phase of, of uh, you are in your career. Um, but for those uh, more experienced professionals who do want to get involved and help change the narrative. Uh, those resources exist to, uh, to help coach and, and guide and develop the future generation. That's really cool. So behind the scenes, MBAA is like pairing people together. Somebody who might be in this similar industry as this younger person might want to be in the Yes, ma'am. Just- cool. All right. We'll pop in. I know there's a little key as well. That's a program I've seen out there. I just haven't, I haven't participating, but it seems like it's going to be baking. Oh, there's one other thing that you guys at the Yogro Council do that is very important and pretty visible, and that's the top 40 under 40. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, I can, yeah, I can, I can highlight on that. So uh, once a year, the Yopro Council meets at the MBAA office in D.C. We do our long-range planning there um, as, a, as, a, as a group. We... We meet at, on Capitol Hill with various different uh, state legislators to um, champion for our workforce development initiatives, for the future um, advanced air mobility initiatives, for sustainability. That's an amazing experience in itself. But one of the more visible things that uh, that we do is we curate the top 40 under 40 um, list for uh, for MBAA, and it's a very arduous task. This year we had. Um, Record-breaking, a record-breaking number of submissions. Um, we had over 500 applications that we had to filter down into 40 uh, award uh, recipients. It was an all-day affair. We started at 10 a.m. and did not finish until six. But we we have a very thorough, very thorough process, a very thorough unbiased process, 
in which we uh, we go about taking 500 you know names and whittling it, whittling it down to 40 and it's it's really awesome just kind of hearing all the amazing things that um, the young professionals are out there doing from creating new technologies to different philanthropic efforts to I mean, just everything imaginable, you know, uh, rescue missions. I mean, it's there's some really awesome stuff that are um, that that individuals are out there doing. And so being able to highlight these individuals is something that I take a whole lot of pride in. I understand as a recipient myself, I understand how impactful it is to kind of have your, you know, I, I can't even call it 15 minutes of fame because you, you, you are able to own that title for life. And I mean, I, to this day, I get people that message me on LinkedIn to congratulate me for something that happened, you know, seven months ago. And so um, eight months ago. But um, yeah, that's the it's, uh, doing the top 40 and 40 voting is something that's pretty cool that, that we get we get the chance to uh, uh, it. Sounds awesome. I can't wait to see what you're going to talk about this year. It's a good one. That's a really good one. Right. Yeah, we... <laughs> There's a lot of back and forth for this. I mean, we all had people that we were really passionate about. And so, but we, we were able to put the best product together. Great. All right. No, definitely looking forward to that. So how would I move on? I know we've talked about your, you'll kind of slowly talked about the aviation days, uh, mentorship, but now that you're with Clay Lacey, what are you doing on the day-to-day basis as an aircraft friend? Yes, ma'am. So um, my title <laughs> my title is aircraft manager, but my role itself um, is a bit more than that. I, I wear a few ads for us. So I, through my title, I do manage a uh, few aircraft. And so um, I'm responsible for the day-to-day operations of a, of a, few, of a few, uh, few aircraft and um, acting essentially as the quarterback for them, make, making sure that all of the supporting departments are all moving in one accord for those aircraft. And uh, but coinciding with that, I also lead our uh, business development on the East Coast. And so I my role is very much sales and business development as well. Clay Lacey historically has done a West Coast based operation, but we established a uh, East Coast operations center about three years ago. And we actually have an FBO that will be completed in Oxford, Connecticut in December. And so um, a large part of my role is helping us get our footprint on the East Coast, um, driving traffic into our soon to come FBO. And, and so managing that our sales, business development, uh, new business kind of uh, duties on the East Coast, along with managing my aircraft. But then I have some uh, other kind of ambiguous duties in, internally as well. So uh, uh, Clay Lacey is actually, uh, we just launched our internal young professional screen. And so um, I help I, I I help kind of lead that initiative, and then there's a lot of stuff that 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 I happen to, to get myself involved in. <laughs> I don't let projects kind of go undone. Yeah. Anytime you're a volunteer and it's like, hey, I have some time to do extra work, I'm sure you'll find something for you. Well, I, I I have the problem of of just being too too open with my opinions. <laughs> That's not a problem. No, I'm sure that they value that very much. I'm sure any employee should. Us all tell Well, let me switch over a little bit less towards the less on the business side and more toward the personal side. And I'll just ask you some fun questions here. So how about are you reading any books right now? Any favorite book or something that's in your mind? I am currently reading 
uh, currently reading a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water, A Guide to Finding Spiritual Fulfillment in Everyday Life. I know, so that's a long title, uh, but one of my managers recommended to me. I tend to be a pretty philosophical person, just kind of in general. And so this, uh, that book in particular kind of breaks down different aspects of life from family to friends to leisure to exercise and it's kind of and just gives different philosophical stances on it from the start of time um so i, I really appreciate it. i kind of scratch my itch there and as a weekly practice i read from um, a book called the, the greatest salesman in the world and it's my favorite book of all time it's by uh, og mandino and it's it's funny i my mom got me the book years ago for Christmas, but I didn't read it until like two years after the fact. I I wished, I, don't know, I had an epiphany, I was like, I need to read something. And I saw this book on my bookshelf and it looked easy enough to read. It was only, it was less than a hundred pages. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's start the year off with this book. And I happened to read it as I was transitioning from a sales operations role into being a sales director at, uh, at an aircraft broker. And um, so it was perfect timing, just that it was very serendipitous for where I was in life. But it taught me some of, it taught me values that I practice daily today. And as my as a part of my morning routine, I write down these 10 principles that the book teaches you. And it's kind of like my, um, my um, it's, it's almost like a daily devotional to myself. I, I, I recite these, these values and principles to myself. And even for someone who doesn't work in a sales capacity, the greatest salesman in the world, just teaches you a lot of really good, just kind of core principles to have, ways to treat people, how you should see every day, and, and the appreciation that you should have for life. That sounds like a great book. I feel like I've heard of it, but I definitely haven't. have not read it. It's 10 principles. You mentioned 10 principles. So that's part of your morning routine and came from that right. Yeah, came from that book. Um, reading Atomic Habits also uh, made me very intentional with how I spend my time, especially developing a morning routine. And so I am one of those crazy people who wakes up at 5 a.m. in the morning. But I do so so that I can go throughout my, my morning routine at my own pace. Nothing's rushed because there's nothing I hate more than that. And there's nothing I hate more in the morning than being rushed. And so I probably could wake up at six and still do this, but having that extra hour allows me to do everything at my pace. But wake up at five o'clock go to the gym, have a decent workout, go home, have a relaxing shower. The shower ends in a, with not necessarily a cold plunge, but it, yeah, with, with a cold shower. So doing that, I meditate every morning. I, and I started doing that this year. Started incorporating that this year, and honestly, it's something that I look forward to every day now. I just, I get to just kind of like have ten minutes of just like silence, and it's like washing your brain. It's awesome. And then I have um, I recite my uh, my daily principles to myself. I do I do about ten minutes. Well, I do at least ten minutes of reading, and then I will uh, I'll journal as well. And so all that takes about two hours, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, breakfast is, is, is involved and stuff and, and what, and watering my cactuses, 
but uh, <laughs> I travel too much for pretty kind of for any any other plant that requires any more maintenance than that. But I really like having that that peaceful time to yourself before working in sales, working in you know supporting aircraft. As soon as your day starts, it just doesn't stop you. It's constant, constant interaction with people and technology. And so having two hours of you know personal time has uh, I've it's provided a lot of structure uh, into my life. That's great. I love that. I I have read that book Miracle Morning and it has taught so little bit about some some aspects in that as well, right? And really like that and got in the of it. How about um when you're looking out there and you're looking at different businesses out there that you may like or don't like, what is there what quality or two of those businesses means that they're doing business right? Like what in your opinion? What does a business look like when they're doing it right? Um, I would say, and it's it's transparency is um it both internally and externally is something that I have really grown to appreciate. It's, it's one of the reasons why I, I joined the company I'm with now. When a company can be fully transparent with their clients in regards to you know what it may cost to operate their aircraft, or if certain you know trips are even feasible. What kind of charter rate you're going to get, you know, on your aircraft, you know, companies that can be fully transparent with their end users. I think it's something that makes certain companies stand out, but potentially even more so when companies can be fully transparent internally. Um, I work for a very horizontal company and at any given moment, I can find my CEO and we can have a conversation and be honest with each other. And um, that goes across the board, regardless of department. We are, we're a very transparent company internally. You know, um, obviously some stuff has to be kept privy and there, you know, there are non-disclosure agreements on certain things as with every company. But um, if you're ever curious, on kind of like what the strategic direction is for the company or, you know, why we made certain decisions, we're very open and honest with each other. And it creates a community where everyone kind of feels uh, equal and involved and, and, and like a stakeholder I'm in the company because it's we're just we're, we're just we're just very transparent with each other and so something that I really appreciate and I think it fosters just a really uh, outstanding kind of company culture. Great answer. Yeah. Well, Jordan, it's been super great being in this Great ideas. I love the morning routine. Gosh, I should have asked you some more about selling the aircraft because that probably is a huge high. Um, that was full of thing. And they're all just the way you train in from the rail to the roller coaster uh, engineer. And now you're in the aviation. I'm going to sell the rules. If somebody else wanted to maybe talk to you some more about your whole process and, and, and your journey, what are we they find? Um, yes. Well, one, let me tell let me first say, I'm please. I'd, I'd come back any, any day. So if you want to do a part two, please feel, feel free to, to sign me up. Yeah, because I feel like we we just we just barely scratched the surface of today's conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for anyone else who can't wait for a part two uh, and wants to get in, and wants to get a hold of me, I'm very accessible via LinkedIn. Um, that's probably my most accessible medium right now. Um, I've got to check it every day. I've got the app. So if you send me a connection or you send me a message, I will respond to you, whether you're a professional, whether you're a student, whether you're someone who's not even in the industry, just wants to learn a little bit more. That is the best way to get a hold of me. And, uh, outside of that, you know, you can, um, um, I encourage anyone that that's listening to want to 
follow the, uh, the, the MBWA Yo Pro LinkedIn page. Follow us on any of our social medias to stay apprised of everything that we're doing out there. I consider myself extremely fortunate to uh, help lead such an amazing group of individuals who are out there just changing lives and changing the industry. And I would not be where I'm at without them. So, um, so big thanks to them and big thanks to your audience as well, man. Lindsay, thank you very much for inviting me today. Yeah, well, I think too, they are lucky to have you leading them with all the experience that you've had. Uh, probably a shout out to your mom too. Sounds like she's <laughs> pretty awesome and in, you know, getting you steered in the right spot. Well, Austin Jordan will definitely do part two. Thank you again so much for your time. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes and check out our website for up and coming podcasts. This has been a production of the Business Aviation Collective sponsored by LD Aviation.